Reddit did to do and welcome into more important issues. It is Wednesday, January 8th. Feeling good on Rocky Top right now. I am at least. I think most people are. Um, you got a nice road win last night in basketball. I know it's not over the best team, but at some point you got to win. And you saw a couple guys play better that haven't played well. And um, then obviously with the football news. We'll see tomorrow. I think tomorrow is going to determine how truly good we, we feel. What's, what's Trey Smith doing? I think is... I mean, I don't think anybody will blame him if he uh, decides to. No, I think I think there's kind of a mutual mutual respect for whatever his decision is tomorrow. Oh yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I kind of would rather him go. It's uh, it's going to be interesting though. I think I'm. You, you see some of the guys coming on this team. You add Cade Mays. I assume if he's coming to Tennessee, he thinks he has a good chance of getting eligible immediately. Um, well, I shouldn't say that because his brother is just a freshman. Uh, I would say playing with his brother is a large part of his decision to come to Tennessee. Um, it's a with, great day on Rocky Top. Though. Mixed with his See, dad. There was no bad news today. Does that kind of make you worry for the yeah, last couple I mean, hours? I mean, well, tomorrow. Tomorrow uh, okay. means the bad news rolls in. I don't know who we're losing or who's going to threaten to um, assault the school or anything like that. But so. Pruitt has the um, – he kind of has that mantra that if he – if something bad happens, he usually counters it with a good thing. So maybe there's some bad news, but there's also going to be some good news. So, have we had any bad news for this week? I don't think bad so. news. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's it's. Uh, I don't know if Pruitt's. I don't know how good he is at looking forward when you, especially when you watch the, uh, the uh, listen to I guess the Jeremy Banks tape. So, <laughs> don't don't know how good he is at. Don't know how good he is at expecting that kind of stuff. He's going to have to take some lessons from uh, Phil Fulmer in that department for sure. Yep. Because um, at least when the bad news hit, they were already bailed out of jail, so that's good. Um, <laughs> we we are going to talk about uh, we are going to talk about some football news. There's there's been some um, shifting in the coaching uh, the the coaching ranks at Tennessee. We'll talk about that and maybe potentially some more coaching moves. Uh, we will also talk about Trey Smith and Cade Mays. We've got some earlier enrollees that have arrived on campus. Um, we will talk basketball. Talk about that win over Missouri last night, as well as the South Carolina game on Saturday. That's a 1 p.m. tip-off in Thompson Bowen Arena. Plan to be there, no matter what Jimmy Hom says. We are going to talk about the <laughs> NFL playoffs, and then we've got some segments for you. Before we do all that, though, Landon's going to tell us about our friends over at Commercial Bank. Commercial Bank. Commercial Bank is your neighborhood bank, and they're a leading financial institution with the services, capabilities of resource uh, – and resources of regional and national banks, whether it's purchasing a home, saving for your child's future, or planning your next vacation, Commercial Bank is with you every step of the way to navigate life, big decisions, life, may better. Visit cbtn.com to learn more and find a branch near you. Any, any financial needs you may have, go check out Commercial Bank. Do it. Go check out Commercial Bank. Let's talk about some coaching news. Uh, I don't know if we've seen you all since David Johnson's officially been hired at uh, Florida State, but that move has happened so far. Nobody has um, – they haven't hired a running backs coach, at least publicly. Uh, a lot of people have talked about potentially a promotion within, um, and it just – I feel like that's – there's a good chance that happens. Um, a couple guys on staff that can fill that role, and apparently you have been recruiting um, already, so it's not going to be a big transition for them. Um, I think the guy you but, got it. But if you hire within, I, I don't think it's 
Joe Osovet, in my opinion. You don't think it's him? But if you do hire within, then you have to hire somebody else in a different position. So somebody, I feel like somebody is getting hired. So, so you don't think a guy like Joe Osovet, who's been quality, whatever it's called, quality coordinator, not quality coordinator, uh, quality control the past couple of years, and who apparently has been really crucial on the recruiting trail and helping get some guys locked down, you don't think he has potential to promote? I, I just I just don't see that. I feel like this is a – like, yeah, I think he's done well in the, in the JUCO ranks, but as far as, like, recruiting – you know, high school players, I don't – I think there's a bigger void there. Okay. Um, so, I, I think Pruitt wants to fill that void. You know, David Johnson, looking at what he did this past season, um, we're all thankful for that just, you know, in the city of Memphis. But you're going to have to fill that void. And I, I feel like, you know, I like Joe Osvett. I think he's done a great job since he's been in here. But I think it's it's bigger shoes than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what he's really done at Tennessee. I mean, you've hear, heard about what he's done, but I mean, if we're gonna give him credit, we also have to give Butch Jones credit at Alabama, which they haven't won anything since he's been there, so that's nice. Yeah. Um. But uh. Well, I guess they won the SEC championship. Um. But so we don't really know what he's done. The rumors are he he's really assisted uh, some coaches, including Niedermeyer. A lot of people have credited him with some of the guys that Niedermeyer's gotten. Uh. Not not entirely, obviously, but in terms of what he did to bring them here. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know how much he misses on the recruiting trail. Uh, I'm not familiar with David Johnson's background, so I don't know if the Memphis thing has anything really specifically to do with David Johnson or just that he did a good job recruiting in that area, but he probably could have done a good job in any area. And that's why I say if it's anybody on staff, I think we talked about this last episode, it doesn't have to be, because I think we did talk about the potential for Johnson leaving. Um, It doesn't have to be someone that can recruit Memphis. But they yeah. have to have a stronghold in a talent, talented area somewhere. I don't know if Joel has that. I think that's the only hire you you probably see within. There's, there was already quite a bit of shifting on the offensive end um, last season, and I mean it could happen again. It's it, any year it could happen. Uh, I'd just kind of be surprised. Kind of seems like you go get somebody different. And I think the first call you make, I don't think you get him, but the first call you got to make is Jake Graham. Yeah. Make him tell you no. Um, he's probably gonna say no. He just got a raise. He is technically the co-OC, I believe, at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna. He's not gonna come here and be the co-OC. We already have it, unless T. Martin leaves. Which there's another potential. We'll talk about that real quick. T. Martin, um, kind of been. So I'm in a rumor, but like his name's kind of been thrown around with Mississippi State because of uh, he worked with Sarkeesian at USC, who just got hired by Mississippi State. Um, so I mean, I guess that's potential. If T. Martin leaves, obviously you have to fill the wide receiver void, but that may. You may be able to bring Jay Graham because you'll probably be able to pay him more than AM. And then you'll have uh, the co OC position. Again, that's a lateral move. I'm not saying he takes it, but I think that's the only way you get Jay Graham is if T. Martin leaves. Yeah, I mean, that's because, you know, uh, T. Martin has three titles here associate yeah. head coach, um, co offense coordinator, assistant head coach, um, co op. Co, uh, I think it's passing game coordinator. Passing game coordinator, co-offense coordinator. Yeah, I mean, and then um, wide receiver is too much. So yeah, he has he has three titles. So the only way he leaves it's for an OC job, right? And I don't think he's going to take a co-OC job. It's he wants complete control over um, an offense, and you know that's just added to his resume. I mean, he wants to grow as a coach. That's a promotion, right? having full reign of an offense. Um, I think eventually he wants to be a head coach. 
to be a head coach, I think you have to be a an offensive coordinator. So I, I don't think T. Martin's going to be here forever as much as Vol fans would love him to be. Um, but I, I think he's comfortable right now with, you know, Caden is – he's a freshman at Catholic – Great baseball player, great football player, and I don't think it really has anything to do with Tennessee and, and recruiting him. But I, I think he's comfortable where he's at with him, you know, in Knoxville. I just think the Mississippi State and, and Starfield—that's well. And, and I will be—I'll say this: his name's been kind of like stuck to Sarkeesian just because of their USC connection. But that's in my—that's a terrible hire for Sarkeesian to bring in a bunch of old guys from his last staff that did poorly at USC. That makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. So that. And what's Sarkeesian done? Oh, I mean, he's not. I mean, a lot of a lot of people have not been very impressed in anywhere he's been in the last couple of years. But um, so I think I think I'd that's rather it. have Joe Moorhead than I would rather Sark- have Joe Moorhead than Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Um, but as long as I mean, if an SEC team's gonna be worse than us, that's also fine with me. Yeah. Um, but I, I, USC keeping Muschamp, keep him. That's I think 10, with 15 years with Pruitt, he's gonna do everything in his power to keep T. Martin because T. Martin is. You know, we, we didn't see a lot of him in the recruiting trail what for the 2020 do, class, but he is – it's huge in he's, – he's been huge in the 2021 class. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in, the, in the state of Alabama, he has, you know, a lot of connections there. It's, it's hard to recruit in that area, but he's from that area, from Mobile. Um, and I, I think he, he's very high in a lot of these kids' recruitment in that 2021 class. I don't know what more you can do to keep him. Like, I don't know if we can counteract any offer at this point. You mentioned he has three titles. He's already got to be one of the higher-paid assistants on staff. Right. And it's not like he's the better recruiter on the staff, and we don't even know if he's the better coach. Um, I mean, we know he's not – we know he's not the premier assistant coach on it, but in terms of position coaches, we don't really – I mean, it's not like our wide receivers got – which, I mean, how much better can they get? I'm not saying T. Martin's a bad coach. Don't mishear me. But – I don't know what, what more you can do to keep him. If he wants to leave, he's probably going to leave at this point. I think his family yeah, I may mean, help I'm, keep I'm him here. I'm not saying counteract, but I'm saying, you know, Pruitt's going to have a long conversation. He he definitely wants him here. Yeah, he, he wants him he, here. He, but he doesn't he, – he's not going to be like, okay, yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, but if T. Martin wants to leave, he's going to leave because I don't right. think you can give him anymore. Right. Like, you can't go, all right, well, we'll make you the passing game coordinator. You've already done that. I mean, you've – Yeah, you've, you've done everything him, you can you've, to yeah, get and you've keep you've T. Martin. You've given him every title you can – without giving him an offensive coordinator job. Yeah, you have done everything to get him here and keep him here. If he wants to leave at this point, he's going to leave. Right. Um, so that's the thing. Again, that his name has just kind of been thrown out there. Nothing's been rumored. No one said he's in talks from Mississippi State or Sarkeesian. That's just yeah. kind of – I think because he was on his last staff, that name got thrown out there, well, which like is I, fair. Like I said, like him, his son starting in Knoxville and, and then uh, – he already took him out of one school in, in California. You know, yeah. Is is that going to, like, make – I'm sure that's a huge factor because um, David Johnson, his wife is from Florida. I'm sure they still have family down there. I think that had a lot to do with his decision. Be able, And it was Mike Norvell being – you know, him being buddy-buddy with him. But it was also, uh, I think, closer to family and a better – you know, a comf- more comfortable situation family-wise. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it has a, a ton of things to do. I Again, I think – the T. Martin thing is probably just to be an offense coordinator. If he wants to leave, it's because he got an offense coordinator position and he's ready to take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, family, that could hold him back. The His son being here at Catholic in a pretty comfortable position. Catholic's a very good football program. He is starting. 
but his son's going to ball out wherever he goes. So it's probably not too much of a concern for him. Like, I mean, I'm sure it's a concern anytime you move, anytime you change jobs, your family's going to be in consideration, but his son doesn't need Catholic. Catholic needs a son. So that's where I'm like, eh, I don't know if. Yeah, but I like, mean, if you look at Catholic high school and then he's going to play somewhere in Miss, I mean, there's no like, I don't know of any powerhouses in nah, Yeah, but I'm sure there's a private school in somewhere that he could go to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, probably, but I, I think it's, I think, like you said, it's because he got an OC position. I don't, I don't think there's anything that, you know, is uncomfortable at Tennessee. I don't think there's any anything more Tennessee could give T. Martin to make him stay. No, no, I, I absolutely believe that's that's true. Yeah. Like, there's Tennessee has done all they can, and again, family may hold him back, but with how with how talented his son is, I believe he has a daughter too. I don't know much about her. I don't know if she's in sports or involved in any other kind of extracurricular that would make her want to stay in Knoxville. Specifically, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think anyone would want to live in Knoxville than in Starkville. Um, Knoxville's not the greatest city in the world, but you know we've got a lot to do around here. And compared to Starkville, it is probably the greatest city in the world. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know much about her. But like, like I said, with him, yes, he's his son's going to be considered. But he could go down to Mississippi State. Who Mississippi? I don't know much about Mississippi high school baseball, but assuming Mississippi baseball, college baseball, I'm going to assume it's also better baseball than Tennessee. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, I feel I like mean, that's a safe assumption. So again, Ole Miss is. I mean, Mississippi State had, has had a good program as of late, but I think right now those two programs in the state of Mississippi are better baseball-wise than Tennessee. Is. Well, I just mean hot. Assuming because those two schools are good, that probably means their high school ball is better. I don't know that. That is an assumption. Yeah. I don't, um, I don't, but again, I don't if, if, it's, if his son helps keep him here, that, I mean, being at, being at Catholic, they do get national attention. They were on ESPN this year against Brentwood. Um, so, I mean, that may, that may help him stay. His son's definitely going to be considered. And I mean, all his family will be considering that. I don't know anything about his wife. I don't know where she's from. Um, I don't think she, I think, I don't think she's from Knoxville. We all know she liked California. Um, so for them to make that move then, it was a little surprising, but, yeah. uh, it must've just been the right time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know who replaces David Johnson. I don't know if it's an internal hire. If it's not an internal hire, then it hasn't even, I mean, I'm sure they're talking to people, but it hasn't, nothing's happened. Right. Um, if it's internally, it could have happened already and just not been announced. I don't know. I'm sure someone is already filling his recruiting void in Memphis. Um, so whoever's going to be in Memphis after the recruiting dead period ends, I think on the 15th, that's probably going to give you a good guess who your next position coach is. That may be me. That may mean he's coaching a different position than running backs, but that's the guy that's probably getting yeah the the promotion. So. I mean, I I would also like, you know, I think we mentioned it last episode. I, I would like Montero Hardesty. You know, he's he's from North Carolina. He's coaching at Charlotte right now. I think he would have ties to North Carolina, which is also a big um, state for the 2021 class. Um, I think he'll have connections there, and I think he would be like on the cheaper side for this. He should this, this Charlotte job being his first position job right on the field coaching job is he running backs at charlotte yes uh you know i mean and that, again, i think that, running backs i don't think that's a very difficult position to replace as far as like yeah, i mean there's talent all over the country to bring in here that right. would make the step up to but i think like that position solely is probably one of the easiest positions to coach at this level i mean yeah i would because i mean you you come in having I mean, you just get handed the football. I mean, there's not like a ton of technique and stuff that you don't already know. I guess it's just more offense and your and your skill set. Yeah, I mean, 
It, it's not. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's probably not one of the. I'd probably prefer running backs over any, much else. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I th- I think if they wanted to hire with if they wanted to give Niedemeyer that job and fill a tight ends position, I feel like they could do like that. Wouldn't be something that I would just be like, oh, why would you do that? Niedemeyer doesn't know anything about running. Yeah, backs. no. Uh, well, and those, and and those guys. That's another thing. Those guys, if you see them get moved around and they've never played running back or they've never coached running backs. I mean, those guys have been studying and working a long time to, coach, no any, to coach any position on the field defense offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually was listening to Bill Belichick talk about how he'll, if he gets a new guy on his staff, he'll put him on the opposite side of the ball. So if he, he for uh, uh, Josh McDaniels, mm-hmm. he was on the defensive side of the ball his first like four years. He's like, I want guys to work the opposite side of the ball than they're comfortable on. Want them to get comfortable there, and then I'm gonna move them back, and they're gonna know more about the defense than they ever have. And so a lot of these guys have done not necessarily that specifically, but they've. If a guy gets flipped from the defensive side of the ball, I'm sure they have faith that he can perform with the running backs or with the wide, wherever it gets moved to with the tight ends. If Niedermeyer gets moved to running back, mm-hmm. I mean whatever. I mean the moral of all this is like with assistant coaches, they move around like crazy. Yeah. I mean there's gonna be somebody every year who's not on that staff. Yeah, but I think. To have a good staff, you have to have those core guys that are kind of that stability. I mean, look at uh, Nick Saban. Yeah, he has he has to replace a whole coaching staff just about every year. Just about every year, and it makes it very difficult. And thankfully, he's a control freak, so it's right for him. Thankfully, um, but so, Dabo Sweeney hasn't really had those guys just leave. And no, no. Like I mean, that. they've definitely Dabo and Nick Saban have gone about it very, very different ways mm-hmm. in how they've gotten to the uh, pinnacle of college football. Um, and the good thing with Nick Saban, though, is another point. You said, you know, never, almost rarely, will you ever have the same, let's say, 15 guys that yeah. you did from the previous year. You're going to lose one or two of them, pick up a new one or two. I, I think the big thing when you talk about consistency, you're not going to be able to hang on to guys like Niedemeyer forever. But when Niedemeyer leaves, like, can you hang on to two or three other guys for three or four more years? And then when they leave, do you have guys that have been there for four or five years that can step in the recruiting roles and the, the experience roles and – be able to help and because I mean everybody's going to move on from it. Typically, everybody's going to move on from an assistant position coach role. Yeah, the the lifers just don't seem to happen anymore. No, so they, guys like you know young guys like T. Martin, Derek Ansley, like you said, Brian Niedermeyer. You know those guys are going to get calls probably every year. Yeah, and you know they're not going to be here forever. But guys like I feel like Will Friend, Jim Cheney. I feel like those are the guy. Those are the core guys you want to keep together on this staff. And then bring in talented guys from from elsewhere, mm. you know, and and teach them this the same system. Keep it rolling. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's what Nick Saban has done to a certain extent. He doesn't have he's having to switch OCs and DCs every every single year, but you know, I mean, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to replace Sark. Yeah. Um. So you, you just got to keep that that train going, keep that offense going, keep that defense going. You know, keep bringing in, you know, good recruiting classes. The recruiting, I think, is the most important aspect of this coaching hour. Yeah. Um, like you said, not so much has to do – I mean, you have to be able to co- coach the position well, um, but it has a lot more to do with can you go recruit. It doesn't have to be Memphis. If it's Memphis, great. Then you're not moving a bunch of people around. If it's not – if you don't have a guy that you would put Memphis, whatever, it just needs to be somewhere that you is just as um, saturated with talent as Memphis. Yeah, so. if you're able to bring those guys in here – Got to be able to develop them, but there's guys here like a Jim Chaney, Will Friend, guys that have coached, you know, in this offense. That if you're not so familiar with running backs, as 
you know, say if they give Brian Niedermeyer the job, they have guys that are able to, you know, point him in the right direction. He's just not going to be by himself with the running backs. Now, if he's that. not comfortable, I mean, which, well, I mean, if he's not comfortable, he probably won't put coach right. in position either. But, um, no, I'm, I, I'm – the way Jeremy Pruitt has this thing rolling right now, I'm, I feel confident in him. Um, and that will kind of move into this next topic with that. Trey Smith, first off, announces at 1 p.m. tomorrow – whether he is staying or he's going. Typically, I'd say the man making the announcement makes me feel good. You've already had Tua leave this year by making an announcement, like doing a press conference. Um, then last year, Grant Williams holding a press conference really gave me hope, and obviously he left. But, I mean, I figured he'd leave, but when he was like, yeah, I'll make an announcement, I'm like, oh, he's about to pay me in this thing. This is awesome. Yeah, and, that's um, always going to come up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anytime there's an announcement, there's always going to be that paid manning. Yeah, because I feel like if you do a press conference, like, I feel like, it's good you're news. staying. Like, why would you bring everybody together just to be like, I'm doing what you assumed I was doing? That just seems weird to me. Yeah. But um, I, Trey, Trey Smith will announce tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know if this Cade Mays news helps any. Uh, I mean, if it does, it only helps in a positive direction, I think. Right. Uh, because you're just getting better. And um, if he wants to be – and I, the, he's from Tennessee. Um, he loves Tennessee. I'm not saying that keeps him here because I'm with everybody else. Him waving the flag in the end zone after the tax layer rule, it looked like his farewell. Like, that's exactly what it looked like to me. Yeah. But, I mean, if he truly believes in what Pruitt's doing and um, he truly believes that this – I mean, with the way Georgia's trending, it may be a race between us and Florida to win the East this year. Potentially. Love it. I mean, again, that relies on Harrison Bailey being competent. Yeah. And he looks competent. Um, but yeah, if Trey Smith believes that. I think there's a slim, 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 slim chance he could come back. I don't think it's definite. I think there's some people in the program that thinks he he may come back. But I think there's all, there's a big agreement with you know Tennessee fans as if he needs to go get paid. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if he leaves, you know, we're all gonna wish him luck. You know, there there's not there's not gonna be any bad blood whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But if he comes back, you know, we're all ecstatic. Oh yeah. But he, he's one. He's you know, since he's been here, he's been a great ambassador for the university, and he's you know one. I think he was the number one player in the ESPN 300. Yeah. Um. So a, a top guy out of out of Jackson, Tennessee, and you know just did everything the right way. I I know we make fun of that Andrew Ray UGA guy for saying he's risking his life, but I mean Trey Smith literally risked his life yeah. to play football at the University of Tennessee. So I don't think you can hate on. Any decision he makes. Oh, absolutely not. And, no. he, he's and nobody one, would. And he's one guy that I think would lead the National Football League in jersey sales as an offensive lineman. Oh, I'm sure he'd be up there. And There's uh, my there's my uh, hot take. Yeah, and I think the just while we're on that topic, and we'll probably get more into it in April, March, April. But, uh, I mean, if he goes, I guess. I mean, Trey Smith, I think the lowest that man falls is the third round, and that's due to his health. If the health wasn't an issue, he's a first-round draft pick. Oh, yeah, easy. he's easy. And... Um, I think the lowest he falls, though, even with that, is third round. I could be wrong. I don't know. I've seen a lot. What all it entails. I don't. I don't know exactly the health issues. And the only people that probably know exactly what's going on is the doctors at. Uh, I don't remember where he went. The doctors at whatever wherever he's been seen. The doctors at UT and the training staff at UT and the coaches, um, because they've put together a plan that's obviously worked well enough. You know, obviously, and um, so. I, you know, he may not know his future with the NFL right now as of January 8th. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that gives me the thought that he may be returning. 
if this is a little bit later, I don't, when's the deadline? The 20th. I the think. 20th is. So I guess he has been talking to teams more than I was thinking. Um, but yeah, if it, if it was even closer to the 20th, I might be thinking he's right now. I've got a little bit of thought. He may be staying just because I don't, you know, I'm I'm sure it's, he's had people. Talking I'll say this and I'm not trying to make the decision for the kid, but if you're not guaranteed to be able to play football anymore, why not? I mean, in my opinion, I would try to get paid while I was able to play football. Yeah, I mean, if NFL teams are backing off of him for the paid reason, then he's coming back. But, like, for the the health reasons. Yeah. So, like you said, he's not guaranteed. No, there's a team that's going to take him. That's I think I if I'm making the decision, I'll go. I've seen a if lot If I'm making of... the decision for him, I'm going. I think he should go. But, again, I mean, if teams are saying, no, nah, you're, you're, you know, people are not going to spend money on a risk like this, then you may be back for one year to prove you can play another season. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But again, like is is the next year is that going to come up again? Is his health like is that 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 that's what I'm like? It's not guaranteed. It's going to help your stock plan another year. No, it's never. I mean, nothing's ever guaranteed. Right, but right. I mean, the next what the next year could prove is like you know, well, you only practice you know three to you know, or you only practice like three times throughout the season. You, you can't do that in the NFL. You know, we've got to be able to see you improve that first. And that may be something where he goes and he's on a practice squad or something. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines uh, to start with. To so, Somebody's going to take a chance and somebody is going to be ecstatic on, on yeah. what he does for a team. Yeah, and I mean, and not, just, not just playing wise. I think in a locker room, he's a great locker room guy. He's a, good, he's a guy that you can put in front of the media and he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And it, it's going to be like one of the greatest speeches you've ever, like every time I hear Trey Smith speak, I'm like, Man, that dude's got a future. I don't know about exactly what you think because after the Bama game, he was visibly upset with what had happened and didn't throw JG under the bus. So he's not Donald Trump in that thing. Well, no, no <laughs> I mean, but he, he's not, I guess, not what he thinks, but he's going to tell you. He's well spoken and he is. Like it is, yes. He's well spoken and he's going to, he has the best interest of himself in the team all yep. the time. Yep. Um, Caden Mays, though. Coming in Oxford, Woo! Are you still mad at him about the video? No, not at all. There's grown men mad at him about the video. I'm like, okay, guys, first off, you've already forgiven Jeremy Banks for saying he was going to shoot a cop and hit a woman. And you forgave uh, Bryce Thompson for allegedly saying he would shoot up the school. I feel like you should be able to forgive Kate Mays for saying F Tennessee. Yeah. for And he was doing it 99% sure for retweets. And his dad probably beat him for it. So, like, I think we can forgive him. Yeah, I have no proof that his dad did that. I'm just joking. Probably couldn't with his out his pinky. That makes it very difficult. <laughs> that situation is weird to me. It, it is weird. Um, but first, we'll, we'll talk about just just Cade Mays, and I, I think that's huge. You know, especially if Trey Smith is is leaving and you get him eligible. But if Trey Smith comes back, you're still able to get him eligible. I think Tennessee has one of the best offensive lines in the country. I don't think there's anybody that can you know try to tell me otherwise. I mean, it's if Trey Smith's back and you have Cade Mays eligible. It's definitely one of the best lines in the country. You and even if he's not eligible, I, I'm I like that we got him in regardless because mm-hmm. the experience and practice that he's able to bring, and then I mean the dude's a good the dude's a good lineman. So that means our guys are competing every day with him. You're going to get better competing against guys like that. I think with him not knowing his status for next year and coming to Tennessee regardless tells you what you already know is Butch Jones is a freaking idiot. Well, because Butch, he he's willing to come here. Butch Jones and John Curry and oh yeah, I mean there there was a lot in that, but I mean 
if Butch Jones isn't an incompetent coach, he doesn't get fired. Yeah, no, I mean, Cade, Cade wants to be here. If And he, he also, wanted to be here the whole time. We don't know if it's true, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, it hadn't been confirmed, has it, that he's transferring here? Yeah, it is. It, ha- it is confirmed? I thought it was just Slayball saying, and... Um, Austin Price has And Austin it. Price. I thought they both said sources. They said for sure it's happening? I thought everything said sources. I don't the, think anything's the, been confirmed. The ESPN guy said he was transferring to Tennessee, too. Right, but he said sources are telling him in the article. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we haven't, we haven't seen him on campus. Um, we've seen his brother, so he's on campus, but... Whatever, yeah, he's, he's coming to Tennessee. He's not. I guess with all this coming out, they would be put to rest if it was if it wasn't true. Uh, well, I don't know about that. He's supposed to be enrolled in school, right? Classes don't start like the twenty first, though. Classes are still a ways away, aren't they? No, they start like the. 12th. They started today. I'm pretty sure today. I thought they started like the twelfth. Twelfth would be a Monday, right? Twelfth is Sunday. We talked about it with Viscobi because we were taught we were we were took, talking about um. When he potentially might be eligible per NCAA rules. I thought class started today. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. Someone said Austin Price said he is. I'm aware Austin Price said he is. I would yeah. like to say Austin Price is always right, but he's yeah. not. I mean, he is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm all in agreement with saying he probably is going to come here. I just meant it wasn't confirmed yet. That's all I meant. We haven't seen him on campus yet. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'm trying to go through the ESPN article right, real quick. Um, yeah, also. Kevin Mays is uh, suing UGA, the UGA Athletic Association, and um, the chair manufacturer. Yeah, whoever that is. It, that's a wild story. I want to. I don't understand exactly what happened. <laughs> like I, I get that a chair, cru- but it said a chair and a, I guess folded up, and, and it was in between a column. I don't yeah, really understand that. That's and a column. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I don't. I don't understand that either. But. If, yeah. does, does it help? I, I don't know. I, I don't know the whole story, so I'm not going to say does it help, but it, it looks like... So Schleyball's article says, Georgia sophomore offensive lineman Cade Mays has entered the NCAA transfer portal and plans to transfer to Tennessee, sources told ESPN. Let me look up when classes start. But he also has till the end of January or whatever that deadline is to... Yeah, he could still go to the... Like no, he, he doesn't have to enroll tomorrow to be in school this no. this semester. That's no. what I mean. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think I mean, Caden Mays is a huge addition, whether he is eligible this year or not. Um, and I think he could only uh, if he's not eligible, then you know your defensive guys get to go against him and practice every day, and I think that's that's huge for their development absolutely. too, um, because you know whether Georgia fans want to admit it or not or not, Caden Mays is a great. Offensive lineman. I mean, as a freshman, started on a playoff team. Yep. And started 11 games. And then this year's, or I guess he didn't start in 11 games. I think he started in like he's, seven. He started in 11, but played in all 14. His freshman year, he, he started in. He started. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Started in seven, seven and I think, in and played in 11. Okay. Yeah, this year he played in all 14 games on one of the best offensive lines in the country. Um, and and started that that bowl game when Andrew Thomas was um, declaring for the NFL draft. I, I think Georgia's in a weird place anyway. I think Sam Pittman leaving has kind of put them in a, a little bit of a bind. They didn't really have a. I mean, I guess you don't really know how to replace the, such a talent as Sam Pittman, but they kind of were, you know, scattering. 
Yeah, and it doesn't help that you had other offensive linemen that are on campus right now transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's never good yeah, in terms the, of trying to get then, yeah recruiting. You're, you're just like, oh, you know, what's going on? It's going to scare away some recruits. And then you've had that issue with the um, the number one running back. What's his name? Zach Evans. Zach Evans. The, the issue with that where they actually released him from his NOI. Um, so, yeah. you, I mean, it's just. It's been kind of one of those things at Georgia where, like, everything's hit at once and made it a ton more difficult for um, for them to not only recruit but also keep guys here, especially guys who had their position coach leave this year, who is the only – well, they came for Chaney and Pittman, and they're both gone now. Yeah. So, But I, I think him coming here definitely tells you he wanted to be here the whole time. It was just a bad situation when he was committing – or he was about to sign to a school. Right. Uh, so classes did start today. I, I didn't look up the deadline to enroll. Yeah. Um, that's too much work I'm going to put in, in the next two seconds. Uh, but I am going to see if I can find Austin Price's ex- um, exact tweet. But I, I think him just seeing the whole turnaround of this this season, um, obviously his brother going there, his dad played here, he's from here. So he hears all of, you know, all the good things coming out of Tennessee all the time. And I don't know if um, – I don't know if that guy had any real intel back in like I said it to you on the show. We I mean we could go and find it. But some guy was like, I heard somebody's transferring to Tennessee. This is in like October. And it's four letter name and his brother is gonna be playing here soon. Interesting. Yeah. Obviously the dude could have just been guessing. But someone else said today that they had been I mean, again, it's people on Twitter. Who knows? I don't even remember the names, so that doesn't help. But um you know, people have been saying they've kind of been hearing rumblings about it for a while. Apparently, he's not been happy in Georgia for a while, is the rumor. Yeah, I think he was. He wasn't very happy with the rotation. Um, he kind of saw not a, not a decrease in games, but he thought he would be able to start every game, be able to play a lot more snaps than he did, and it just didn't. And when Pittman left, I don't think there was really anything keeping him at Georgia. No, no. And they made that video in October about. You know, Cade Mays doesn't shy away from competition. They had Andrew Thomas talk. They had Sam Pittman talk, Cade Mays. And none of those three people are at Georgia anymore. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know how good of a relationship he had with Kirby Smart. It obviously wasn't a bad one or he wouldn't have, you know, went to Georgia. But I think Sam Pittman was definitely the key in his recruitment, especially after, you know, Butch Jones' debacle. Um, You had John Curry – go off into no man's land. And you had the Greg Shiano thing. I mean, that's even though it was probably a good thing that we got rid of Shiano, it still looks like a, a bad thing in that time. Right. Well, and as a, as a recruit, you, you're looking at, at that program. You're like, Oh gosh, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go there. Well, you just got done discussing all the coaching changes that he's gone through at Georgia. So, I mean, what's the common theme here and why he's leaving Georgia and why he decided not to commit to Tennessee Yeah, coaching changes. So, I mean, that that's, that's the common theme. So I mean, if if Jeremy Pruitt probably would have had this job, you know, if we would have hired Jeremy Pruitt right off the rip, as soon as we fired Bush Jones. Or if he doesn't enroll early. Or if there's not an early signing period. Right. Then you might have a chance. Yeah. Then he's, he's probably a Tennessee Vol. Because the first time Fulmer did go in, he Fulmer went home with Cade Mays before the hire was done. That was before Jeremy Pruitt was on campus, and that was, I mean, like ten days from national. Like that was really close to early signing day. Yeah, so, so I mean, that that's that's hard on a kid to just kind of put all his faith in a guy he, you know, probably just met. Yeah, I'm trying to. For some reason, 
Austin Prost didn't write an article. He made a video. So I'll just have to watch that later. I don't know if he's confirmed it. I hadn't seen I, ho- I saw him tweet it, but I didn't see it. Confirmed. I have watched the video. Oh, did he so say So apparently he posted that, or that video was filmed yesterday, and he knew about it, and then posted it today. Okay. Gotcha. But when did he the, say when con- the news actually broke, yes. Did he say confirmed? He said that he's spo- he not- he's supposed to be on he's supposed to be on campus. Why would he not break the news? <laughs> Interesting. Um, let's see here. I guess maybe I I know he talks to Cooper and, and Cade. So I, maybe, yeah. Oh, I mean, but I would not maybe mean, it's if Cade it, had announced it, I would understand. Maybe it. it's like yeah. From Cade didn't announce it. He hadn't changed anything yet. He did. I guess he took UGA football to his bio. Hmm. But he still has his picture up, and it still says Athens, Georgia as his location. So, if we're looking into that. <laughs> He's a Vol. He's all Vol. I mean, I hope you're all right, ball. but uh, you've been a Vol fan long enough. You should know until it's confirmed. Until the man's on campus. Even when the man's on campus, you still don't know. Uh, looking at you, J.J. Peterson. Yeah. I'm, I, I like this, though. I mean, you can't have enough offensive linemen, even if it – knocks somebody out of a starting position. You can't have enough, and, and there's always injury. There's always turnover. There's always transfers, you know, guys leaving early. So I, I think this is a huge get for Tennessee, and, you know, I, I think it will be good for Cooper's development. I think it will be good for Cade Mays and that whole family that they are, you know, officially reunited. And if it wasn't for an incompetent coach, Cade would have been here to start with. So, yeah. you know, Jeremy Pruitt is, is still trying to – um you know, stitch together this whole program that Butch Jones just ripped apart. Oh yeah. No, I mean it's it's getting there. At first you gotta get the talent and obviously if Cade Mays is coming to Tennessee, the talent is getting better. Yep. I mean it's there and like I I mean everybody was asking me like should we be concerned about recruiting class? Like it's gonna it's gonna finish higher than it is when yeah. it was at sitting at twenty. And we're looking Cade Mays wouldn't leave Georgia if he didn't think because Andrew Thomas is leaving next year and he started for him in the bowl game. He was gonna start this year. But I feel like him coming here, it just says a lot about where this program is headed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. The talent is – the talent we're, – we're still fixing the talent issue, but it's getting there. But yeah, like watch out Florida. Watch out Georgia. Watch out – who else is decent? Nobody else is decent. It's just those two teams and us. I, I mean, we've got to beat Florida two years in a row before I believe we can do anything. I guess we still have this year because we didn't beat them last year. So that gives me hope. Yeah. If we beat him this year, I'm terrified of 2021. I'll tell you that. <laughs> we got it. We haven't beat him two years in a row in a long time. Long time. They're at home this year, too. They are at home this year. We got to go to Georgia, so that's going to be a wild reunion What's his name? for Cade Mays. What's to, his name? He's going to rush Georgia. for 200 yards and throw for 300 against us, though. Who? That'll be fun. The Florida quarterback. Yeah, no. The dude that's probably going to start Jones. Year. Yeah, Emory Jones. The dude that looked better than Trask in the back half of the season. A lot better. Know. Trask. Do you think he plays over him? Because he looked just, better than him in the back half of the season. They just love Trask. Like he started every game after that. Even if Emory Jones is playing good, he, he yeah 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 start. It probably. I mean, I don't know what Dan Mullen. Like I don't know. I don't follow it enough. I just know every game I watch that they play in the back half of the season. Yeah, Emory Jones' arm looked far better than it did earlier in the season, and I would say that's what put Trask in over him to begin with. Yeah. So. uh Kind of leads us into our next thing, early enrollees. Um, like we mentioned, Cooper Mays is an early enrollee at an Oxford Catholic. Harrison Bailey is on campus officially. That is confirmed in his Rainbow Crocs. Um, yeah, that one, that one was confirmed. We got a picture the, or the video the day of. Yeah. Not the day after. The yeah. day of. Uh, Dominique Bailey, 
is on campus and uh, quarterback Jimmy Holiday. That quarterback room is going to be, you know, interesting to see come come the spring. Like I'm, who who emerges? Who who um who who do you think starts? Come, I, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, um, because I, I, I think Harrison Bailey probably starts, maybe not game one, but I think earlier than if Harrison Bailey doesn't start game one, I'm raising some red flags. I'll tell you that right now. Like yeah. I'm asking questions. You have to. Yeah. I mean. So, so everything you, you've seen, he's far, far and away better than Jared Garantano. So, who's behind Harrison Bailey? If you think he's a starter, who do you think's behind JG? Him? If he's on campus, JG. If he's not, dude, probably Mauer. I see, I see a lot of this team loves Brian Mauer. Yeah, they're like, but they, I mean, but if like, JG's on campus for Darrell Taylor, a guy like Darrell Taylor, who is, you know, a guy that you don't want to be like on his bad side whatsoever. But a guy, a guy like that that's, you know, giving praise to a freshman quarterback, I feel like that's, that's I mean, Brom, wild. Brom Mauer played his butt off this year. That's why everybody likes him. But if JG's on campus, he's probably going to be the backup. Yeah. And it probably more I, has, I don't disagree. I, it probably I think more has be... to do with age than anything else. Like, it could be one of those things that if Harrison Bailey were to go down, it could be another quarterback in after that. But – I mean, JG will probably be listed as the number two. It was it was very obvious that Brian Mauer was not ready to be the starting quarterback at Tennessee this year, but we just didn't have a choice. No, I mean, and he lit a spark. He did enough to light a you know spark. I mean, a lot of people talk about the the change in the the mood and the just the outlook of the season when he came in against Georgia and we didn't play exceptionally well outside of two drives. But you know, it, it's the the energy he brought was something that JG has never been able he's never been able to spark this offense. No. Even when he wasn't the starter and behind Dormandy, he didn't come in and he doesn't have the attitude to go spark an offense. That's not his attitude. And I'm not saying it has to be. No. But this team But I think this I, team, I do think his attitude changed once he saw Brian Mauer. But he's never going to be able to spark a team ever. No. Even when he came even when he came in, you know, came in for Shrout and Juwan Jennings. But he's he did not, play exceptionally better after that Alabama game. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, that team, this Tennessee team, when Brian Mauer started, needed energy, needed a breath of life, and that's what Brian Mauer brought. And JG's, that's just the way he plays. Some football teams don't need a quarterback that brings that kind of energy. Some football teams desperately need that. This football team needed a quarterback that was going to bring a ton of energy, and that's why Brian Mauer, I, I think Jerry Pruitt knew that he wasn't going to be, I mean, wasn't going to be better than JG, but he also knew that they needed to go a different direction for that moment, and that's why Brian Mauer started. Do you think Vis- – I'm thinking Viscovi is a more polished Brian Mauer uh, on the basketball court. That's what he looks like to me. I mean, he's a guy who, who makes a lot of mistakes right now. He's not been on campus very long, and that's understandable. But he, I mean, he's far and away better. Like, yeah. far and away. Like, he won his yeah, basketball but game th- last night. That's, that's a spark. Yeah, no. Like I mean, him last night, that was an absolute spark for him to just light it. Well, up. Let's be fair and tell the first ten minutes that he played was garbage. Yeah, he and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But I mean, yeah, he definitely brought a spark last night in the final three minutes. That was much needed. Um, and and he didn't shoot at all. And that's another thing we'll talk about when we get into basketball. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he brings energy, not in the same way. I don't know that Brian Mauer does. Brian Mauer almost brings like swagger to your team. Yeah, I think Viscovi maybe just brings some comfortability to your team and some um, some offense. Yeah, but I think it's comfortable. Like, okay, we we know he's gonna 
probably be it. We're, we know he's going to be able to do something. He's something, something that the team needed. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he we needed somebody that was going to mm-hmm. go to the hole. I just mean, Brian Maurer brings that energy by his his the way he walks, the way he talks. Vescovi doesn't seem like But that. It, it's it's that same life that you needed with this yeah. team. Yeah. I mean, like I said, not every football team needs a quarterback that has the same passion that Brian Maurer has. Right. Just like this basketball team doesn't necessarily need that right now, but they need somebody that's going to go to the hole, that's going to, you know, be willing to shoot the ball, be, you know, put the ball in their hand with, you know, your last shot, but not your last shot of the game on the line, but your last chance to be in this game on the line. And he did that and he made it. Yep. And we'll talk about that um, here in just a second. Before we do get into basketball, we're going to talk about the win over Missouri. Uh, I am going to tell you all about my friends at 865 Axe Throwing. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. It's perfect for date nights, birthdays, anniversaries, friends night out, wedding parties, corporate team building events. 865 Axe Throwing, where locals hang out. They're the first axe throwing range in Knox County and the only outdoor range in the area. They have friendly and knowledgeable axe coaches that can teach anyone how to throw confidently and safely. Once you stick your first axe, you will be hooked. It's located only 15 minutes from downtown, and their atmosphere can't be beat. Throw axes, play cornhole, tabletop checkers, mega jinga, or just hang out by the fire. They are family-friendly farm fun. Guys, go check them out over at 865 Axe Throwing. Thursdays right now, they got $30 Thursdays. If you can find, find Thursday, go throw for $30. If you don't make it there on a Thursday, though, use the promo code More Important Issues. You'll get $5 off at check-in. Make sure you go check out 865 Axe Throwing, guys. Conzo Martin, even when he's... Uh, Going against Tennessee, he seems to almost let us down. God, it's so boring watching his basketball. I mean, that game was boring last night. Up until like... Well, it's because right now we are a boring basketball team as well. That doesn't help. Right, yeah. But, you know, Konzo's always had that... No, that's what I mean. We we knew we were going to get Konzo ball and then our ball. Right now is just not good. Our team's not great. I mean, at any point, a win is a win is a win is a win. Um, But, I mean, there's still some question marks after that game. I'm going to lose my mind on John Fulkerson. Every time he touches the ball in the paint, he is shooting the ball. He's always on the floor. Or, sorry. The ball is dead in his hands. He's a black hole. It's going in the basket. It's missing. Missing a shot. Or he's turning the ball over. It's not going to anybody else on our team's hands. Because we're not getting an offensive rebound. And why is he always on the floor? Well, like, he's always, always been on the floor. I, I know, but like, you, you would think after four years you would fix that. No, he's a baby giraffe. He's you always, he's always he, going to But a baby giraffe has to grow up at some point. No, 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 no. See, you don't understand what baby giraffes are. He's always a baby giraffe. You know, know those tall people who can never walk? He's one of those. It's, he's a 6'11 white dude that's never going to learn how to walk correctly. But it's, he's a 6'11 white dude who can't shoot outside the paint. He can, can't shoot inside the paint. Well, yeah, but also, if he's gonna go to the basket every time he gets the ball inside the paint, he's got to at least flash like he's gonna shoot an outside jump shot. Every time the ball comes to him at the top of the key, it's he couldn't tell you where the basket was in that sequence. He has no clue. No, that's what that's one of the things that kills us on the when you look at the what we do on the perimeter. We have guys that refuse to even look at going to the hole. How does how does a post player like John Fulkerson have five turnovers? Because he's not a post player or a wing. He's not a basketball player. He's helped, he helped us a lot early on in the year. He's able to create turnovers. He has not done that lately. I mean, he is he has not gotten any better since his freshman year. Okay, I'm gonna. I don't know about that. He's gotten a lot better. Well, since his he was year. he was he was better his freshman year. He was like one of the best he players only on our like team. Six games, <laughs> but he was he's not gotten any better. Once. If you compare to his his first six games this year to his first six games freshman year, I'm probably the same player, maybe a little better. Actually, I'd say he's a lot better. A lot better. 
I, don't I, know. Guarantee, I guarantee he scored a lot more points. I mean, I can, well, yeah, well, duh. Well, he scored a lot more points. Created but he's a lot, playing a lot more. Created a lot more turnovers. I mean, what do you mean by playing better? Yeah, I think he's impacted the game more. This I don't year. think he's gotten that much better at basketball. I mean, not that much better, but he was he's better than he was freshman. Year. Not that much, not in my opinion. Well, he. I mean, I think he's improved drastically since not drastically. He's improved since his freshman year. I mean, especially with the way he's impacted. The fact the game. of the matter is, he's a role player that's having a start. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It doesn't help that he's in not the greatest situations for him. He shouldn't be playing thirty-five minutes a game. No. Ever on any team. So I mean, that kills him. He did make his free throws last night. He did have more rebounds than he has in the past two games. Six. Yeah. Which is not. I mean, that's a guy you need in double digit. Josiah James had seven. So he, Josiah James is our leading rebounder. He's a guard. And, you know, when the Scobie's not on the court, he's our primary ball handler. That's yeah. that's not good. That the Scobie's our primary ball handler? No, no, that, that your primary ball handler is also leading the team in oh, rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was good to have Jordan Bowden, you know, get some confidence back. No, that's just, your just biggest seeing, thing. Just seeing the ball go in the net. No, that's your huge. that's your biggest thing right now. I think for this team, if John Fulgerson can play well, this team's gonna. Or sorry, I'm looking up his stats. If Jordan Bowden can play well, this team's gonna play really well. Now, I mean, if John Fulgerson plays well, I think this team will play good. But I mean, he's had some good games, but he's also had games where he just you know disappears. So I mean, like like I said, you can't have a forward having five turnovers. There, there's something not right. No, he turns that's what I'm saying. Every time he With goes to the, every and, time he gets the ball inside. And just Tennessee period, 20 21 turnovers. How does that even happen? How well, many travels? Can't. How many illegal screens did we have? Okay. And, and and some of that was on the officials, but some of it on is on Tennessee too. We need because to talk we're about, just not aggressive. We need to talk talk about what the hell a walk is. I mean, there were 85 walks called on both teams, and there were maybe two walks in that sequence. I mean, were that was that the point of emphasis last night? We're going to call every walk we can because it was absurd. It was, I mean, there were times there's no way the ref was even looking at our feet and a walk was called. Yeah. Or a travel was called. And then they missed crap like Kumwa jumping at the rim, coming back down, and then going to it. I know those aren't the same officials, but they're SEC officials. And we need to address how poor SEC officials are. Yeah, they're not, they're getting worse. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's, uh, but I mean, you can't really complain too much about this game because you win by 10 and you won on the road against an SEC opponent. You can't complain that much. You had six guys in, in double figures. That's kind of the balance Tennessee needs right now because you're not getting it from Fulgerson every night. You're not getting from Jordan Bowden every night, or, or you haven't been. You know, Viscovi came in and gave us an absolute spark last night. He had eight straight – he was in a, on an 8-0 run against Missouri last night. Um, coming in, you know, knocking down two threes, getting a steal, and getting an easy basket on the other end. That that's that's something Tennessee hasn't had. You know, a, a guy that can just come in and make two shots and not even hesitate. We right. have we have guys that refuse. Like if they're open and they miss their last shot, they're not shooting. I mean, the aggressiveness is the biggest thing. I think a lot of people don't think we're coached at all. I think we're way too overcoached. We're never looking to go to the not ever. We're rarely looking to go to the basketball. We're always looking for our next move, our next pass, our next screen, our net whatever. 
I think we're way overcoached on the offensive end. And I think that's why Vescovi's one of our best offensive players. How much has he been coached? Yeah, he I, I he think that's why he he's one know of the offense. He's, I, just, he's just playing basketball. I think that's why he's one of our best offensive players. I think his team is way overcoached. And he did have five turnovers. So, you know, that that and they're gonna go down drastically as as he gets more comfortable with all these guys. But just just him being, you know, an offensive threat. You know, the the only offensive threat you really have is is Bowden. And he hasn't right. he's kind of been you know, uh, invisible the right. past couple games, but you get a guy who's able to come in and, and he's going to the rim and he's, he's kind of, he's not very fast, but I, I feel like, you know, a little bit strength conditioning, a couple years of that, I think he will be a great point guard that's able to get to the rim, but he's still having to deal with, you know, coming over here, playing against, you know, good competition, not saying the NBA global Academy isn't good competition, but it's not the same as you're not going against the guys with the same length, the same physicality as guys in the SEC. Right. So I look for him to improve, and I think he's going to be a great player for Tennessee down the road. I mean, he's already exciting. He's already, you know, doesn't hesitate shooting the basketball. So I hope our coaching staff doesn't, you know, try to, like, keep him from doing that because that's that's a big reason why you won that game last night is – because he put it out of reach. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that, I mean, you said we can't complain. I'm, I mean, again, a win is a win is a win is a win. But the last two minutes is the only reason we won that basketball game. If we had played that kind of basketball, that aggressive basketball, in the you know first ten minutes, the game would have been put away by halftime. Yep. And and Missouri's best player didn't play. Yeah. So I've got this. John Fulkerson's almost doubled his minutes since his freshman year. He's almost quadrupled his points. His turnovers have almost quadrupled. And his, uh, but his blocks and steals at least have doubled. So, but yeah, his turnovers have quadrupled. His points have quadrupled. His rebounds have not gotten that much better. He's he's only got like ten more rebounds than he did in his freshman year. He's got th- twenty more rebounds his freshman year than he did his senior year. Or sorry, his senior year more than his freshman year. And you talked about his minutes. So he's definitely been able to score more. But obviously, his rebounding, which is what we need him to do. Is terrible. I want to know why when he boxes out, he can never get from the point. He can never get from where he finds the guy back around. When the ball comes off the rim, he's still on the guy. He can never see the ball. That's that NBA rebounding. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Like, he's trying to box the guy out, but he can never get to the actual box out ball. I mean, we gave up 11 offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's one of the notes I have. 11 offensive rebounds. I said Vescovi struggled early, but was clutch. Um, and then it also helped that Tillman was out. Tillman was like their second leading scorer. I mean... And that, one, th- that got one thing we did, we got to the free throw line. We yeah. got to the free throw line five times, and we didn't get to the free throw line against LSU in until like eleven minutes to go in the second half. We went five times against LSU last night. How much we did we go in the first half last night, though? I didn't look at the stats when it was. Like, I don't know, but I'm saying against LSU, we went five times total yeah. in the game. Uh, last night we went seventeen times. Well, my next my next thing I was about to say, they started fouling us with like a minute and a half left. We got a ton of bonus points. Yeah. So, I mean, probably 10 we of those. Mi- we missed a lot of those. Yeah, probably 10 of those free throws came in the final minute and a half. I'd say close to that amount. I don't know how many one-on-ones we made before we got to the double, double bonus. But. I know Pons missed one, um, and Josiah James missed one. Yeah, we're 12 for 17. So, that I mean, that needs to improve. But No, the fact that we're getting there. Vescovi I mean, was 4 for 5. 
you know, and and it doesn't like getting the position to go to the even if it is in the last couple minutes, getting the position to go to the yeah, points. We you built, know, we built whenever most it our, comes, get points. We built most of our lead on that. I mean, a lot of our lead on that. I guess it's just very like. I guess we were just so spoiled the past two years and, and getting the ball in the paint whenever you needed a shot. And then we could dish it out. But dishing it out, like you said, John Forreston's kind of a black hole. And, you know, we don't have an inside presence whatsoever. It looks like zero. Pons is our best inside. And he's 6'6". He's a wing. He's not even supposed to be a forward. Right. But he's able to jump high enough where he's able to get the ball off, off um, against bigger defenders. So I, I'm, I think Pons Pons is definitely the most improved player on this team because you look at what he was until, last year until and, he starts rebounding though he's he's gonna be struggling in my book for it. we can't have a guy that can jump out of the gym like that that doesn't get ball off the balls off the board that's insane to me because it's not like we're getting boxed out we're just missing rebounds so yeah. until he starts rebounding I mean again but, but, you, uh, he's uh, one of the most improved in terms of his shot. But even then, that's starting to fade away. On the offensive end, though, he's not really on the block that much. He's more like he comes up the court. You know, they right. give him the ball. He's able to shoot a three if it, if it's open. But they had um, eleven offensive rebounds. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. But and I think Kumal's gonna have to. But he only played seven minutes. Kumal didn't. He's not getting enough playing time. He's not getting anymore. He's just as good as Fulkerson right now. I mean, when he got the playing time, Fulkerson did. He had better stats than him. And he still didn't have quite as much as Fulkerson. He's. He's got to get more playing time. He's going to make mistakes because he's a freshman, but those mistakes are way less frustrating than a senior making the same ones. Yeah. Way less frustrating. Jalen Johnson came alive. I, I hope mean, he can keep – if he can keep that up, I mean, first off, hopefully that keeps Pember on the bench. He's yeah. not He's not going to give as much. Yeah, Pember did I think not he had two ready. fouls while he was in the game. Yep. He did not look ready. Devontae Gaines, you know, hasn't – he came in – he played four minutes, came in and got two rebounds, though. And anybody that can rebound, put them on the floor right now. Yeah. It's it's absolutely absurd. I don't know how we've out-rebounded some of these teams. Like, we out-rebounded Missouri last night. I don't understand how because we're not doing a good job of doing it. We have no one that is willing to box out, and then our guy who can literally jump out of the gym refuses to do anything but try to block shots. When it wasn't just – I mean, we did out-rebound them, but it was because they had a lower shooting percentage than we did. There you go. Because they were all defensive rebounds. It wasn't like we are Fighting for offensive rebounds, we got five. They got eleven. Yeah. I, I mean, we've we've got to rebound better. That was our that was our calling card when we struggled when this team was was really young and we didn't have any big guys. Uh, yeah, they were, Kyle Alexander one and done. Kyle Alexander didn't hadn't done much a couple years ago. That was our calling card. We we fought on the boards every game. If we were gonna if we were gonna win the the battle for rebounds, we we're probably gonna win the game, and that's not gonna be the case this year. And until we do that, I'm not convinced we're going to win a lot of games in a row. Like, I'm not convinced we can put together a ton of – we're not going to be able to grind out victories like we were that year. And we're, we're so inconsistent. At least last year we kind of had an identity where we were going inside and then, you know, if he was able to – if there was nothing there, then he was passing it out. Um, I think it would Admiral, help but, having Viscovi. And then Josiah Jordan-James has been shooting better. Hopefully we can develop some of those guys that we can go to when we need it uh, because until Jordan Bowden comes around, obviously – I think Vescovi, there's just that um, comfortable level with him, with the team. I think you see that with Josiah James. He's able to contribute in so many ways. And I, I feel like the game is, is coming to him more in, instead of him oh, yeah. having to worry about being the, the scorer that he's not. He's not. 
Right. And I was I was pretty confident Josiah Jordan games would get a lot more comfortable and he has. And I I think he's only gonna improve. Um he's gonna be asked to do a lot more, but he's only gonna improve as well. Um yeah, he might make some mistakes. He had four turnovers. I mean, we had a ton of turnovers together last night. Viscovi, yeah, I think two or three of those were walks. Yeah, Viscovi had five. Two or three of his were walks, and then uh James had four. Though obviously we've got to cut those down. You did get the win, but uh, we got to cut those down, and then they've got you know Josiah Jordan James is finding a way to impact it with assists. Viscovi did against LSU. He's got to be a guy that distributes a little bit better than he did last night. So. What do you think about the the scuffle with Viscovi? First off, if the refs are way quicker on their whistle like they should have been, it doesn't get called. Viscovi got fouled. The dude did not get all ball. That's not a jump. Should have been probably should have been a jump ball because it was tied up for a second. Mm. Then it should have never gone to Missouri, and then Viscovi fouled the absolute crap out of him. And they wait on the whistle, and that's what gets that guy that flagrant. Now, I'm not saying the guy should have thrown the ball at him. But also, I don't think he was throwing the ball at Viscovi. I think he was trying to get it to go out of bounds off Viscovi. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think the guy deserved a flagrant. But what I what I liked, after the whole thing happened, Josiah James and Jalen Johnson go yeah, and, and protect their player. A guy that they they met, know. what, 10 days ago? Yeah, something like that. No, They yeah, met 10 days ago and, and coming to – not his rescue, but they were coming to back you know, up. Back, yeah. Be a teammate. Yeah, have, have his yeah. back. I think. And that's, for all you young guys who think you immediately have to fight, they also did not fight. They just broke it up. Yeah. Let's be clear about that, too. Yeah, but they, they ensured that, hey, you can't do that to, to my teammate. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, that, that scuffle was all on the referees, though. If you're better on your whistle, they're bad. They're bad at their job, and they let that happen. That's plain. And, and, and a lot of that is because they're freaking part time. Just have, have officials that are. That you pay year round. I feel like you get a lot better referees if you do that. But you have guys that I'd be, have... I'd be willing to see that some of this money in terms of uh, conference, how the conference divvies it up, because some of this money going away from the programs to go to referees. Yeah, put some of the that. put some of the beer sales to better yeah. officials. Jesus, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're refing on you know Saturday afternoons in football, Saturday nights in basketball, and you're missing. More than like five calls, five calls a game, you shouldn't be, you should not be allowed to do your job. And I get there's a ref shortage or whatever, but you've got to find a. It, it blows my mind how poor officials can be at their jobs and keep it. It absolutely baffles me. And it's like stuff they're missing right in front of their face. And that's that's on the SEC. Oh yeah, no, it's a hundred percent on the SEC. It's a, on the NCAA and on the SEC both. Who first off, they don't know the rules, anyways. Of any sport they participate in, but whatever. It's very, it's very frustrating to watch some of these. I, I mean, I'm with everybody in terms of um, everybody that's been saying, uh, you know, they need to answer to media after games that players have to. Absolutely, if you miss several calls, you should have to tell us why. Or tell the people why. You yeah, should have to tell everyone why you, you missed that. When you make a mistake in your job, you have to answer to your boss. Yeah. And these guys, they say they you know review them and suspend them, but they don't suspend them without pay. They send them to a worse game. How is that fair to that other team? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't understand it at all. And I'll always have a problem with it until they fix it. Um, Let's preview the USC game before we – or yeah. Let's go ahead and preview the USC game, though. It's this Saturday at 1 p.m. in Thompson Bowling Arena. South Carolina comes in at eight and six overall, zero uh, and one in conference play. They took a pretty tough beating last night to Florida, who's a pretty quality team. So it's not like it, it's Florida. Florida is ranked, aren't they? Or did they fall out after that lost FSU? Yeah, I think they fell out. 
No, so they're they, not ranked. They're ten and four. Okay, they've got a, they've got a couple tough losses. Um, Florida does, but they they get they did get the win over South Carolina to open. I think it was opening conference play for them. Um, but uh, yeah, this South Carolina team is just not very impressive. They're not good. Uh, no, they're not very good. We this should be a game we win. Um, it depends really how much we can score. I guess. I mean, that's big though. Because if we can create a lead and kind of go off that. I, I think the trouble with it is if, if you can't stop them, especially if you can't stop AJ Lawson, I think we let AJ Lawson score a lot last year, didn't we? Yeah. I remember him being a pretty decent player for them last yeah. year. So I think we let him score quite a bit. So that I mean that's a that's a big big deal for them. They don't have Silva, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. They they do have a big man from like I don't know, he's four and I can't remember where he's from now. Mm. So, somewhere, but he's he's about six eleven. Um, and he's averaging like right at 10, 11 points a game. Um, I mean, rebounds though. That's what we're not many. He's only got like six, which is okay. good. But at the same time, they're probably playing teams with more of a post presence than us. So, right. He'll probably have 15. But let's look at these Saturday. losses. Bradley, Wichita state, Northern Iowa, Houston, Stetson, Florida. That's they've, they've got an ugly loss. They do have that win over number nine UVA, which is That's... probably maybe something that keeps them, you know, if they can do better in conference play, it may keep them alive in the the. Um, That's wild. What you call it? The NCAA tournament. They got a tough schedule ahead. They got us. They got Kentucky, Texas A and M, and then Auburn. He's from Estonia. Ooh, Malik. There's no way it's Kotzar, but that's how it's spelled. Mm. Who knows how it's pronounced? Um. Yeah, he's. Sorry, what were you saying though? Before that. Uh, I was just saying they got a tough slate. In the SEC, they have Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas A&M, and Auburn after us. Um, They'll be zero and five to start conference play. Yeah, probably. probably. If we can win, they may be one and four. Oof. I'm really not sure what we're going to get out of this Tennessee team um, on Saturday. I'm, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, we're so inconsistent in and our, yeah. our offense and defense that it's you never know what you're going to get. And like, our starting it, point guard is played two games, <laughs> right? That's I think the biggest question for me. And then he had forward. a very he had a very short leash though or not. Well, I didn't hear I didn't listen to Rick Barnes after the LSU game. Apparently he said that he was out Gassed. of shape. Yeah. Oh, okay. He said that was on him. Okay. So I think I mean, first off, everyone has a short leash with Rick Barnes. And then I think also it had to do with they were trying to distribute those minutes better than they did Saturday. He played thirty four minutes uh Saturday against LSU. He just played nineteen last He just played nineteen. So I mean that's probably better for him. Especially when you look down the stretch, he was able to make two big threes to yeah. Uh, clinch the game for us. I'll, again, we've said this multiple times. I would much rather you be playing better at the end of the game than the the start of the game. Oh, 100%. And he's averaging 15 points a game right now. So, I mean, I think he only had like six or seven on the side, right? Seven? He had 11. Oh, he ended up with 11? Oh, wow. Or 10. I think he had 10. Okay. Yeah, because he had two free throws to go in double digits. So, when he made those two threes, mm-hmm. he was – his stats were two – he was two of three from football range. He had taken three shots after he made those two clutch threes inside, like, what, four minutes? Yeah. So, we just need him to shoot more, too. I mean, that's – we we need him to shoot more. Right. Like, the fact that you took one shot before you shot that pretty deep three off a of screen, we need you to shoot more. Like, you're going to – I mean, I know it kind of sucks to come in, not play much, practice much, and then just be asked to be a leader and a leading scorer, but that's what this team needs right now. So. Yep. And it's – it's crazy that, you know, Rick Barnes was saying that he wouldn't even play. And then it was like, oh, it's going to be up to him. And it's like, oh, he's starting. You know, just 
for him to come in and wow Rick Barnes, who's not, you know, his excitement doesn't show too much. Right. For him, for him to impress the coaching staff that much to be able to be a starter and and to be a a player that they trust at the end of games when it's a close game, that's that's insane to me. It gives me uh, it gives me more like respect, I guess, to what they did with DJ Burns last year because mm-hmm. uh, we all assumed he should have been playing. But now I'm thinking that staff probably knew what they were talking about. Yeah, because now they've started Josiah Jordan James his first game of his career. And Viscovi, the first game of his career. So I think it had much less to do with. Because at first I thought it was just we were him to redshirt him. And I think it was more about he just wasn't ready. Yeah. And He's I, only started four games at Winthrop. Yeah. And I think with Viscovi coming in, like you can't just. If, if a guy's that talented, you just can't keep him off to save him for next year. No, that's what that, I'm saying. That's, I think that's a terrible way to message that to your. To your seniors like Jordan Bowden, even Lamonte Turner, John Ford, that like that's a terrible way to set that, you know, for set yourself up for the rest of the season because then they're like, well, you don't care about this season anyway. So no, I think it's what I was saying. I think it shows that this staff knows what they're doing. So I think everybody questioned why DJ Burns didn't play last year. I know I questioned it, mm-hmm. and then when he left, I'm going, you know, Rick Barnes, you didn't play him. That's your fault. But I think. He knows what he's doing in terms of he's going to play the guys he knows are ready to play. Yeah, DJ Burns. I looking back now, when I mean hot shots twenty twenty. Looking back, you have Vescovi, Josiah James, Jordan, Josiah Jordan James is proof. He's going to play guys that are ready and not play guys who are not ready. Right. That that's all I mean by that. So, it'd probably be a lot different if you knew that Plavsic wasn't going to be eligible, but you kind of thought he was going to be eligible. What do you mean for what? Um. And just, like, maybe not trying to keep DJ Burns. Well, I think the DJ Burns departure was more about off-the-court stuff. I don't think it had to do with playing time, from what I understand. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, – I don't I don't think that's – But what about uh, – then Derek Walker probably was – Derek Walker probably stays, yeah. Yeah. If you if if Pl- if you know Plovsic isn't going to be eligible, especially right. since Zach Kent left. Yeah. Which I don't – everyone's, like, mad that Zach Kent's leaving, but you were also mad that he was playing. So I'm very confused by – some of your all stances on that. If you could explain that to me, I, I mean, I don't think he'd be playing if he was at Tennessee, so he might as well just leave and open up that scholarship spot. Right. Um, but if you have another take on it, yeah, you can tell me. But we need we need understand. a big man. If we're gonna be like yeah, Zach Kent's not a big man, just like John Fulgerson's not a big right. man. Right. I mean, if we're gonna be like, a, a lot of eyes are gonna be on us next year with that class coming in. But you, you need a big man that's able, and you know, Plopsic is gonna, I guess, have to be that guy because I don't see really anybody else yeah. being that guy. And I'm not bought into his hype yet, so I'm, I'm curious what will happen there. I mean, I think we need to go get another big man for that class. Yeah, whether it's a, a grad transfer or somebody that's yeah. able to contribute now, but and like a proven grad transfer. I don't know if I want to gamble again. <laughs> John, I mean, in college basketball, you're really is that a shot at Lou Evans? No, that was a shot at Uros that I'm not guessing. Lou Evans, I can 100% tell you for a fact, I do not want someone else like Lou Evans. <laughs> You're a great person. You seem to have a great personality, and you you were fun to follow on Twitter in Knoxville, but you weren't a great basketball player. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, no, Uros, we're still guessing. I'd rather not guess again. No, 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 Lou Evans I knew and know about. So yeah, yeah. It, At least, I guess, Uros is going to take up some space, which we're not at the very a lot At the space. very bare minimum, people are going to have to shoot over him. Yeah. <laughs> Just stand up. Keep your arms up. Yeah. There's no defensive three seconds in college basketball. Just It's yeah. fine. Um, NFL playoffs. Oh, I do have to tell you all about some Somebody else before we get into NFL playoffs. 
I don't know about you, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting my money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm just betting on my team because they're my team. I've one small piece of advice before I continue reading. Never bet on your team. It's just <laughs> going to make you cry. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try parlay, for instance. If you liked a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support a team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie. If you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Just use the promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code C-H-A-I-R to double your cash today. Visit mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. NFL playoffs. Playoffs? I'm going to have to look at some of these spreads. I'm going to be betting on a couple games this week. I don't know. I did. I will be playing Daily Fantasy. I did see today. Yeah, it's still the Titans and Ravens are at 10, and the Texans and Chiefs are at 10. That's a lot for the NFL. Yeah. Especially in a playoff game. I think I'll take, take the Titans to cover that. I don't think the Ravens won by 10. Ooh, I don't know. That that game is, I mean, they're baiting you to do it. Well, yeah. With the, I, I mean, mean that's that's the whole point of it, right? But it, it's like, what is a what's a uh, again? Are, are you a Titans fan? Not yet. What's the Vikings forty nine? Not yet. Not until they like win. I wouldn't be that upset if they <laughs> I'm lost. Not just playing. well, I mean, like that's what I mean though. I really wouldn't be. I would be way more upset if I lost on a bet. Like if I bet the Ravens cover. And the Titans ended up winning. I'd be like, "That's stupid." Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, "No, no, no." Like, that's what I mean by I'm not a fan yet. Uh, what's the uh, yeah? What's the Vikings 49ers spread? It is seven. Forty favored in 49ers. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I'd take that. I think I'd take that. Seahawks and Green Bay is as Green Bay. Green Bay's fa- Green Bay's favored. Yeah, before. Mm, interesting. So let, let's pick them. We're going to pick them now? Okay. Yeah. So, the first I'll, game we got is the Vikings 49ers. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely take the 49ers. I don't know if I'm going to take them to cover, but I'm definitely going to take the 49ers. Yeah. I'll take the 49ers as well. Titans, Ravens. Holy, man. Like I said, I'm not a fan yet, but I want the Titans to win so bad. I'm going to pick the Ravens, but I want them to win so bad. Yeah. I mean, if the Titans have any chance, it's going to be behind Derrick Henry. Yeah, I mean, if they run the ball well, they'll control the game, and that gives them a better shot. That's why I say I think I pick them to cover because 10. Because they're, they're just going to keep it away from Lamar Jackson. In my opinion, that's got to be their game plan, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad game plan. Um, I'm, I'm also going to go with the Ravens. I just think they, they have too many weapons to, to not win this game. Yeah. Um, Texans-Chiefs. I think I'm probably picking the the hot pick here, but I'm gonna go Texans. I think the Texans have a real shot to win this game. Okay, I'm I, I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. If I mean, I don't blame you at all for doing that. I'm I, like I I, I, I I hate to pick like every team that's that's favored, favored but and and especially because last week it was like every team that played the right the underdog one, but I just think the the Chiefs with. With the weapons they have on offense, it's going to be hard to. Oh, it's going to be very difficult. It's to, going to be very high scoring. That's why I say that that ten I, point spread in that game is probably. Well, it's over under probably like 40, 45, probably forty six, fifty one, fifty one. Wow, that's pretty high. I think I'll take that under. I don't know. Um, no, I mean the, there's a the over under for the Titans Ravens is forty six and a half. Interesting. I'd probably take I'm, the under in that. I'm one. taking the under in that one. Yeah. Uh, so. 
the uh, but I like that the Texans got JJ Watt in before this game. Yeah, like I like that this is not his first game back. He had a sack too. Yeah. Oh, also, well, I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, let's pick this last game: Seahawks at Packers. I'm taking the Seahawks, man. I that's I want to take the I want to go bet on the Seahawks to cover. I do. I'm gonna go Seahawks as well. Just I, I think with. I like Russell Wilson. Do the Packers and, have the defense? I mean, that's what it's on right now, Yeah, right? yeah. It's got to be – just the Seahawks have been here before. Aaron Rodgers is going to score. Yeah. I, I just think the Seahawks have been in this situation way too many times for me not to pick them. Yeah. Um, also an update, we both got the Lending Tree Bowl, right? Yeah. So we are now – I'm 22-13 and 13 and you're 23-11. and 11. Okay. And we both, I can't come back because we both picked LSU in the championship, but – that's, I feel like those are pretty good records. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I don't know what everybody else's bowl record has been, but I might check that real quick and see like what the highest on ESPN is. Oh, it's got to be like insane. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure someone missed like four games or something, if that. So, uh, Jumbotron. We're going to do, I guess, most the, the biggest breakout players for the 2020 season. Oh, oh expected breakout players. Oh, I thought we were looking back. My bad. Oh, sorry. No, you're good. Um, that's fine. That works for me. So, I guess I'll go. F- I'll go first since you're you're kind of thinking. I-, I think number one, it has to be Eric Gray, just with the the two games he had, the MVP of the Tyler Bowl, the record setting game against Vanderbilt. You have to say Eric Gray is your workhorse next year at the running back position, right? And, so, and somebody, if you do have inconsistent quarterback play, which it's either going to be a true freshman or or JG who is very um, turnover prone. Right. So it's it's you're probably going to get some inconsistent quarterback plays. So where do you rely on that? You rely on that that big fat offensive line that you have, and yeah, and run that ball with the dynamic air gray. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um. See, I'm gonna think on this a little bit. I want to see. This guy that I think could, and I want to see it happen. Like, I'm kind of, like, trying to speak it to fruition here. Darrell Middleton, a guy that had a couple of good games yeah. this year. Um, and then hopefully next year with a little bit more uh, of a defensive line rotation, maybe keep some fresh in some games, fresher, and maybe able to make some plays. He he had a, a couple of good games this year. I just want to see it carry over. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think Pruitt's, like, I mean, you look at guys like Nigel Warrior. Like, people are improving every year. I don't think it's, like – you know, good your freshman year, freshman year in the sophomore slump, which Darrell Middleton will be a senior. Will he be a senior or was he a one-year transfer? Will he be a junior? I think he has two years. Okay, so two years still. So he'll be a no, junior. No, I, I think he'll, I think he'll be he a senior. A junior. He'll be a senior. Okay, so but still, I think a guy like that could, you know, will improve under this coaching staff. So. Yeah, I like, I like that one. My next one is going to be Elante Taylor. You know, he kind of dealt with, you know, the BYU game was tough. It's over. Move on. And then he kind of got replaced with Kenneth George and kind of took that place back later on in the season. So, I, I look for him. I, I like his athleticism. I like that he's, you know, a bigger, a bigger, taller corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the dude is su- a freak athlete. So, I, I want to see him kind of utilize his athleticism and be that lockdown corner that we need. I like it. Because I think Bryce, him and Bryce Thompson, I think they have the the opportunity to be a very good duo yeah. in the SEC. But it, it just comes with 
you know, I, I feel like Bryce Thompson is definitely our best corner. But if you're having Alante Taylor, that opens up so much more for pass rushers, so much more for turnovers if you're able to have two lockdown corners on both sides. Absolutely. It, it definitely helps a ton. Um, my next one is Josh Palmer. Okay. And this is a guy who had, again, a couple good games this year, but obviously he was not the number one target. Um, he probably was number three. You could probably argue number four if you consider that we like to throw the running backs out of the backfield. Um, maybe you could even argue five. You might throw Dominic Wood Anderson. Might have had more targets than him this year. I don't. I haven't looked at it. Um, so he's probably that three or four guy. And um, he definitely played his best football at the end of the season. Yeah, and, and game in the in the tax layer bowl. And the two guys in front of him are gone. So he's gonna be asked to do a little bit more. There there is talent coming in to kind of relieve that, and then there's talent that was either redshirted or just didn't get as much playing time this year. So he's not like he's gonna be the, the only guy, but this is his chance. He'll probably be the number one guy. His chance to get the, the majority of the targets um, and, and have a breakout season. And that's it's wild to see him, you know, be a senior because he's been starting since he was a freshman. Yeah, you know, you remember that Florida game when he dropped one in the end zone. Like he's he's had a kind of up and down career and we saw uh, or we heard a lot about him in in the spring and in the in fall camp you know thinking he could be the number one guy like he was he was that good and that dominant but I guess it just comes to the quarterback and and who he was more comfortable with and it it looked like it was definitely it was definitely Juwan Jennings and then probably after that was Marquez Callaway yeah I do like how I I do want to see Josh Palmer be the guy right Next year, um, my next one would be D'Angelo Gibbs. Mm-hmm. You know he's he's eligible. I'm sure he's hungry. He's tired of being just a, a practice player. He hasn't played wide receiver at the at the college level. He, he's been a DB at Georgia, but from what I hear, that he is every bit of what we wanted him to be when he got on campus. I hopefully um, that's true. Is he playing defensive back or wide receiver? Wide receiver. Okay. He will be a wide receiver, and like you said, there's guys le- guys leaving. Those t- those two spots are open. Yeah. You know, Josh Palmer's got one locked down. There's two spots open. You know, do, do the freshmen come in, or is it D'Angelo Gibbs who's able to take one of those and make the most out of it? I'd say another guy you'll probably see potentially day one starter, and it's because of his speed is Jalen Hyatt. I mean, oh yeah, that's that's probably the only guy right now I can say like confidently probably be a day one starter. Yeah. Him, him and Jimmy Callaway. I mean, yeah. they're both blazing speed yeah i did not know josh palmer was a, i probably did know it i just forgot josh palmer was a uh leading receiver against indiana i probably did know yeah, that i just he had six had receptions right yeah yeah i'd probably just forgotten all right another my last guy is probably like a i guess a dark horse candidate because i don't really know i know one way he'll impact the game i don't know the others uh but that's quivarius crouch um i think he's gonna get the ball in those those heavy uh goal line situations more now after the indiana game um, I think we probably score against Alabama if we hand the ball to him. Um, even if he's met at the line of scrimmage, I'm pretty confident he moves a guy backwards yeah. <laughs> with a six-yard head start. Um, but that's a guy I think could impact both on the defensive side of the ball, but I think special teams too is he's going to have the opportunity to make still make an impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I want to see mainly, I'll say that, I think he could end the year with several rushing touchdowns. We, we talked about our, our issues in the um, Tennessee's issues in the red zone. Can he help alleviate some of those by being a, you know, a, a wrecking ball in the, in the red zone within 10 yards? Hopefully. I think you should use him more. And it's not just a red zone package. I mean, yeah, obviously you use it more in the red zone pack in the red zone, but it can also be a short down yardage package that we haven't used. 
Now, I think with Juwan Jennings gone, I don't know how good he is with the ball necessarily in his hand there, but I mean, it, maybe that's a guy you look at running like a beast package. Yeah, I would love that. That that was one of my favorite packages Tennessee ever ran was when AJ Johnson got the yeah. ball. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crouch is going to be used in a number of ways, whether it's a a pass rusher, um, a linebacker, a middle linebacker, or a running back. He's going to be used utilized in a lot of different ways, and I think that's he can impact the game in so many ways is why he would be up yep. there on my list as well. Um, Tennessee, did, we did have some questions, so we'll get to that real quick. So, TWA, always with the questions. <laughs> Love the man. So, your thoughts on the Cade Mays thing, and if he does transfer to Tennessee, would not it would it be possible that he might get immediate eligibility with his position coach leaving? I'm sure they're going to push every button they can to try to get him eligible. Oh, and I think the question was, do you think he could get eligible? There's a really – I think anytime you move closer to home, that helps your chances. Um, I don't – I mean, according – Brian Rice had a good tweet about it. I can go find that real quick. But essentially alluded to, if his dad is suing the University of Georgia, there's a chance they won't allow him near the University of Georgia. That should only help his chances. Again, if that's the case, yeah. that should only help his chances. I think there's a – I think you're like sitting in like the 50-50 spot of him being eligible. And I feel like right now with the very – we don't even know if it's official yet. So with the very little we know, I feel like that's a good, that's a good shot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're, you're definitely going to try everything. But with the NCAA being so inconsistent throughout this never, whole thing, you, you're never going to know 100%. No. Um, no. So we'll know when we know. Yeah. Um, and then Big Orange Pruitt, a man. He said, what's Cade's status on eligibility – if when he transfers, um, he, he will have to sit. They'll file an appeal. He'll, it'll have to get approved. If it is approved, then obviously he will be eligible. But right. apparently he's he's going to be enrolled in, in school this spring, and he will be at practice. So he's going to be a part of the football program. But time will only tell if and when right. he's eligible. If it's as cut and dry as some of these people are making it out to be, it's, I mean, he could be eligible tomorrow. Yeah. Stupidity is an epidemic. Stupidity. I'm going to have to go with my man, uh, Brett Kendrick. Cold takes exposed. Say what you want about Coach Jones, but we didn't lose to these trash baby Big Ten schools. Well, neither does Pruitt. Yeah. Um. So, also, I feel like you're not, like, do you like Butch Jones enough to, like, go to, like, go to war against Vol Twitter for that? Like, do you? Yeah, that's kind of a weird flex. Yeah, I don't know if I'd want to do that. No. Because, like, you knew what that tweet was going to get you. Right. I feel like you're going – it's kind of like everyone's about Jimmy Homs. Like, Jimmy Homs did used to do a pretty good job in Knoxville, better than most. There's other really good people in Knoxville now, which saturates the market a little bit. But also the biggest thing about Jimmy Homs, I feel like he tries to alienate the Tennessee fan base. That's what annoys me the most. Also, didn't Butch Jones, like, play him when he had a concussion? That was, like, a big Yeah, didn't his family, like, speak on the news about it, about how hurt they were by it? Yeah. That's kind of strange. Who knows? That's uh, I will go ahead and jump in because I mentioned Jimmy Homs, my next one. Um, where'd it go? I'll read mine. Yeah, go ahead and read yours. So uh, Craig Gordon said, "Cannot wait till this has been coaches gone. Tennessee might win marquee game, a marquee game once he does." It's a picture of Phil Fulmer. So he's saying Fulmer's coming back, or, or no? He wants him gone. He oh, said he Tennessee won't win a marquee game until he's gone. Uh, I mean, we won the marquee yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, like, the national championship was, like, the only game you – like, that's the highest of high. 
Yeah, uh, that's weird. Yeah, that's that's a terrible take. I mean, would you rather have John Curry? Like, is is yes. that what you'd rather have? A yes. guy that just goes off the grid, a guy that's he'll just hire whoever. I would. What a moron. But Jimmy Himes' tweet, it, I won't read the whole tweet to you because it's just informational, but the beginning was, UT students weren't much help to the Vols against LSU. And then talks about how the allotment goes on. See, like, why do you lead off with that? Like, you're just trying to alienate the fan base at that point. Yep. Like, why would you – 90% of the students are back home because it's Christmas, winter break. Like, they haven't come back yet. Yeah. That's why – I mean, Tennessee pretty much filled up the bowl Saturday. But but see, like he just he points out like negative stuff. Why, why not say, you know, the allotment was sold out for this game? He doesn't do that. He just he just has to point out the negative. He has to highlight whatever is going on that could show shine negative light on Tennessee. And I, I don't I don't get what is what is. Ah, oh it's God. always an it's what all, is he doing. It's always an attempt to alienate the fan base. He says stuff. He takes those little jabs. UT students weren't much help to the Vols against LSU. Well, most of them were home, but he refuses to acknowledge that Tennessee still did a pretty good job of filling up the bowl. I'm actually going to go check now and see what the actual attendance were. I'm not, I just don't get his, his entire agenda. Like why can't like just cover the balls? Like if, if you covered negative stuff, that's fine, but you also have to cover the positive stuff too. I mean, he may cover the positive stuff. I'm just mean. I don't know. If but he, he does but he's shine. He has to shine light to any negative thing he can. I mean, yeah, he drives me insane. He always takes the easiest jab possible. Like UT students weren't much help. I mean, first off, but we want, our team isn't much help. <laughs> I mean, if, if you win games, people are going to sell out the thing. And, and he he, I don't know. Also, I will to say him. to if we're going to attack. Anybody in that situation attack UT. The way the allotment works is absolutely stupid. It said there was eighteen thousand in attendance against LSU, so three thousand short of your capacity. But the way the allotment works, why in the absolute hell is a student sitting in the three hundred section? Not a single student is going to come to a game unless it's the premier game of the year and sit in the three hundred level section. It's never going to happen, ever. Does Duke put theirs in the three hundred section? Does North Carolina put theirs? Where does Memphis' students sit? Where does Florida's students sit? It drives me nuts also that in the second half, they're going away from our students. Yeah, no, that's the worst planning of all And not, I'm not saying if our student section is even that great, but th- that's, not how we, that's not how basketball works. That's not how home field advantage works. You literally took away your home field advantage. Yeah. Home court advantage, sorry. And when you need it the most, you, you get it in the first half, yeah. but who cares? No, it's yeah. No, that's always bothered me. Yeah, if we're gonna poke and prod at anybody about it, let's go after the UT administration. That is one thing I want to see get fixed. Students should be in the bottom in the bottom bowl, and they should be on the opposite side of the court of UT's bench. Yep. But whatever. Well, whatever. Yeah, that's all I got. Annoying. It also doesn't work out logistically because they have to they have to go to the opposite end to form the T to let them run out of and all that jazz. It's yeah, they make it really And they, they have to they have to run by the opposing team. Yeah. No, it's very stupid. Guys, I digress. Thank you all for listening. You can do it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you want tomorrow. You could even come back here if you wanted to. You can do whatever you want. Just listen to us tomorrow or tell somebody to listen to us tomorrow. That's what everybody needs to do. Ponzi scheme time. I think we talked about Ponzi scheme. Good. 
I'm going to tell two people I know to listen to the show tomorrow. I'm going to text two people right when I get off here. You're going to text two people. Okay. I'm going to ask them to text two people. Like a copy and paste kind of thing. Right. I ask you all to do the same. Uh, get our iTunes, whatever. Copy a link. Put it in there. Be like, hey, I'm sending this to you all. Will you forward this to two other people? Jesus is watching. Something like that. I don't know. And see if they'll do it. We're going to try to get a lot of uh, listeners today. Cade Mays' first game, you think they do like a, I'm coming home, coming home. I think they play the video of him singing Dixieland Delight with, and Tennessee too. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. I know some people that would lose their mind. I mean, they were redneck mad about it online today. Redneck mad. It's a great day to be a ball. That's all we got. We're bringing the boat in. Share it. We out.